Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. The story I'm about to tell you is from a traveler named Erushus. He called this experience, Children of Man. Please, allow me to tell you his tale. As I pulled up in front of the shop, I had to recheck my directions. It was a dingy little hole in the wall stuffed between a Dollar General and a computer repair shop. It looked like it had just existed here since the creation of the first VHS tape. The windows were covered in thick yellow paper and the outside was caked in a film of old dirt. The sign on the door said open, but it was barely visible through the dirty window. There was no way this place had what I wanted. When I was a kid, I remembered watching a show on cable called Children of Man. As a kid, the premise of the show appealed to me. The show was about kids living on an island out in the Pacific, trying to survive day-to-day -day trials. The producers had gotten 40 kids from all over America, ages 10 to 12, and dropped them off with supplies and instructions on how to survive. The host, Chris Mansworth, was a survival expert and he would create challenges every day for the kids to complete. There were four teams of ten kids, and the winner of each challenge got something cool for their area of the village. I watched the show religiously as a kid. Every Saturday night, right after The Simpsons, the show would come on, and I would be enthralled. I always imagined that I was on the island with them, surviving day to day. The challenges were always neat too. They had the kids gut and clean their own meat, dig wells by hand, build rafts for the raft race, and make aqueducts so their village could have running water. It was a neat idea, but the show just stopped after eight episodes. No new episodes came out, and the station never gave a reason. This was before the internet, and there was no way to check for updates online. So, the show slipped off into obscurity, and my ten-year-old self just forgot about it. I remembered the show again a few years ago when mom sent me a box of my stuff from the attic. There were a couple of old VHS tapes in there, and between Batman, the animated series, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were eight tapes with handwritten labels that read Children of Men. We had a VHS recorder when I was a kid, and I can remember recording my favorite shows to watch later. I was excited to get to see the old show again, the memories flooding back and I started looking for a VHS player among the tapes in the box. There wasn't one, but a quick trip to Goodwill in $15, and I had a gently used VCR hooked to my TV. I watched all eight episodes back to back and fell in love with the show all over again. I remembered the kids I liked. Robert and Catherine were my favorites, but many of the kids had also been given a lot of screen time, and it was hard not to like them too. As I watched the show again, I began to notice something a little darker under the surface. Two, something I hadn't noticed as a kid. The village was divided into four teams, green snakes, blue birds, red foxes, and brown mice. The teams had mostly been divided up by background, which seemed very divisive to me as an adult. The green snakes did most of the hunting for the village, 
a lot of their kids having a rural background, while the brown mice did most of the farming and gathering because they came from a farm background. The red foxes were in charge of construction and upkeep. They were the smarter kids, and they worked with the bluebirds, who were in charge of food management and cooking the meals. Every team had a representative who sat on a council. Robert sat for the green snakes, Catherine for the bluebirds, Marco for the red foxes, and Cherine for the brown mice. As the show went on, it became apparent that Robert didn't trust Marco. And with good reason. Marco and Cherine had formed a kind of alliance of their own, though most of it was because Marco bullied her into doing what he wanted. Robert and Catherine set up their own alliance, and Robert started holding out food to sway Cherine's decisions. The village needed food, and Robert pointed out that he and Catherine were the ones providing it. Robert and Catherine wanted a fair split for everyone, but Marco tried to split them into a class system that would put his foxes in the higher tier. Robert didn't like that, and it became clear that if Chris hadn't been there, we would have seen a lot more fights. Robert was a big 12-year-old, a stocky bruiser who won battles with his fists most of the time. And Chris had separated him and Marco more than once. Marco was smaller but definitely had charisma. He had most of the mice and all of the foxes on his side, and I wasn't sure how I missed all this tension as a kid. It all came to a head in episode 6. Marco was caught hoarding food in the Red Fox village. It wasn't just food that the other teams had been bringing in either. He had been taking the comfort foods from the canteen the brown mice ran for the village and storing them in his hut. Robert discovered this and took Marco prisoner, demanding he is placed on trial. The whole village was in an uproar, but Marco agreed to be confined to a central cabin until the council could rule on his trial. Chris was setting the whole trial up as an episode 8 draw for viewers. At the end of episode 8, the council found Marco guilty. And the episode had ended with a lot of shaky camera work and the red foxes storming the podium where Marco was seated. That was how the show had ended. The little bell chimed overhead as I stepped into the tiny place. The store looked like a throwback. Sharp looking rickety shelves that were covered in plastic VHS boxes and thick dust. The shelves held VHS tapes, Betamax, and DVD cases that were arranged neatly amongst the filth and dust. A quick look showed that they were all in alphabetical order like some ancient library. The shelves fronted onto a glass display case that held murky wonders within. On the counter were a television, an ashtray stacked with old butts, and the greasy store clerk who smiled at me as I approached. You the one who called about the tape? He asked showing a mouth of stained teeth. I had searched for months on my own. I had taken to the internet in an attempt to find something, anything, that would give me some closure. Wikipedia told me that only eight episodes were aired, but 12 had been intended. As I dug deeper, I began to see that the show was a mystery all its own, though. The list of children that had been in the show was woefully incomplete. Marco and Robert were there, so were Catherine and Cherine and Chris as the host but none of the other children were even named. No one, except Chris Mansworth, had gone on to do anything after the show, and his only contribution was his death a few months later. His wiki said that he had committed suicide in his hotel room, and foul play was not suspected. As for the last four episodes of Children of Man, however, there was no mention, so I took to the usual online sleuths. Reddit, 4chan, TV message boards, no one seemed to have the answer. Most people had never even heard of Children of Man, 
and the ones who had were more interested in my copies than the last four episodes. Apparently, the episodes were never compiled or released for purchase, and the only means by which the show still existed was on VHS tapes like mine. I had several offers for them. One guy wanted to give me $500 per tape, but I declined and told them I'd post copies of the tapes here for free if they wanted. That's how I met Charleston Hammer 462. He was a user on the hometown board of Reddit. He saw my post and the posted videos and got in contact with me about the place I was currently in. Heard you were looking for a certain tape. In my line of work, when you're looking for something, you go talk to Reggie. He owns a shop in Burlington, South Carolina, called Video Time Capsule. If you need a banned episode of a 70s drama or a never-aired documentary from the 60 seconds, you talk to Reggie. I read the message a few times before responding. Thanks, Charleston, but these episodes are just unaired. They're unknown. No one has ever seen them. I don't even know if they exist. And the story you're talking about is over 400 miles away. I figured I'd never heard from him again when I hit send on the message. It took him an hour to respond. What you're after is very rare. I used to watch Children of Men myself when I was younger. It ended so abruptly that it's been an internet mystery since the net was just wells and message boards. I didn't learn about the last four episodes, though, until I met Reggie at TVCon. We got to talking about old TV shows and, after a few drinks, he told me that he had the last four episodes of Children of Men. That perked my interest. Have you seen them? That response took a little longer. I have. It's some pretty different shit. I won't ruin it for you, but if you value the way you remember Children of Men, then don't watch it. There's a reason these episodes never made it to air. Here's the number of the store. If it's late, call him anyway. Reggie keeps weird hours, and sometimes that store is open 24 hours. He's an eccentric dude, don't doubt, but he has what you're looking for. The number was at the bottom of the message. Yeah, I said, no longer sure about what I was doing. Yeah. I called you about the complete series of Children of Men. He nodded, reached under the counter, and slapped a plain white case on the counter. All eight episodes, recorded at airing. He said, his eyes studying me. I frowned, I'm after the last four episodes. His piggy eyes glinted behind the grease-smeared glasses. There were only eight episodes that aired. And you told me that you had the other four episodes that never aired. He smiled, and it did ghastly things to his porcelain face. Had to be sure. Come to the back. And with that, he disappeared behind a curtain, into the back of the store. I walked around, hesitating for a moment as I touched the curtain and followed him. I'd come 400 miles. I might as well go another five feet into hell. The phone rang six times. I was just about to hang up when someone answered and spoke through a mouthful of food. I didn't understand him, but once he'd swallowed whatever had been in his mouth, he tried again. Video time capsule where your memories are always on sale. What a tagline. Yes, I was looking for something specific. The sound of something being stuffed into the speaker's mouth and loud chewing assaulted my ears before he continued. Aren't they all? What you're looking for? Clearly, customer service was not their strong suit. Episode 9 minus 12 of Children of Men. I heard something hit the floor and the speaker cursed loudly. Yeah, uh, you must be mistaken. There are only eight episodes of Children of Men. Look, I said a little hotly. 
I was told that you have things that no one else does. I want to see these episodes. I don't even want to buy them. And I was told that you have them in your possession. Is there any way that I can just... $500, the voice returned, and the tone was not one to be bargained with. In cash before I will even let you see them. I agreed, despite the outrageous price. And now I was here in this grungy shop prepared to go into the back. The back was worse than the front. DVDs and VHS tapes were stacked in teetering piles. The back room was lit by only a few dingy overheads, and I could see an old TV casting its glow from the back. The floor was riddled with trash, and I swear you could hear the mice scampering around to get out of my way. What sort of videos could I find here? Would this place give me anything but heartbreak? This seemed like the setup to a thousand scary stories, and I suddenly didn't want to see these mysterious artifacts. But like anyone else who comes this close to finding the thing they want, I needed to see them. Reggie was waiting for me by the TV. He had an ancient set that looked very similar to the one my parents had owned. On top was a VHS, DVD combo player, and a set of rabbit ears that stuck out like a weather vane. There was a wooden chair in front of it with a little blue pad in it. Reggie held his hand out. 500, he said. How do I know it's authentic? Look, I could get in a lot of trouble for even owning this. Okay. Do you think guys who possess child porn go to prison for a long time? This would put me in the prison for life. If you want to see those episodes, then I need the money. Are we doing business here or what? I handed him the money, and he popped the cassette tape in and walked away. Not joining me, I asked. Not for another $500 bucks, kid. I heard the curtain rustle as the show began. Episode 9 gave us a recap of the trial and then the storming of the stage. When the show started, I noticed a distinct lapse in film quality. Whoever was operating the cameras was much shorter than their usual crew, and they seemed barely able to handle the heavy rig. Finally, the camera had Robert into the frame, and he began to fill us in on what was happening in the village. It's been about three days since Marco's trial and his escape. Since then, Fox Village has been separated from our village. They took most of the brown mice with them, and now they try to raid us every night for food. Something is going on over there. We heard shouts this morning, and... But at that point, the shouts got louder, and Robert ran off screen as the camera tried to follow him. We came to the edge of Red Fox Village. Many of the huts that were once on the verge have been burnt out, making a kind of barricade between them and the rest of the village. Many voices were cheering as something swung from the tree. At first, I thought it was an effigy, a dummy maybe. But then I realized that it was Cherry. She swung like a grotesque wind chime in the space between the villages. And Robert shouted for Marco to stop being a coward and come out. Some of the kids were crying, but everyone on the other side cheered and shouted traitor or faithless at the swinging body of Cherry. I sat, glued to the TV, unsure if any of this was even real. It was night when the next recording resumed. It seemed that whoever was running the camera wanted us to see a raid. The night vision on the cameras showed kids with torches fighting other kids who were leaving their storehouse in a hurry. The kids with torches hacked at them with machetes, blood flying as they connected, and some of them dropped as they were stabbed or hacked to pieces by the blades of the other children. The rest of the episode was mostly uneventful. Lots of shaky cams, lots of crying, and at one point, someone dropped it and didn't pick it up for several minutes. As the episode ended, 
I was left looking at my own stark face looking back at me. What had I just watched? There was no way that could be the same show. Things had gone very Lord of the Flies in the village. And as the 10th episode started, I wasn't sure what to expect. Episode 10 started without a preamble. There was no recap, no theme music, and the footage looked unedited. We see a much more professional camera crew and Chris Mansworth trying to bring some order back to the island. They're coming up through the shallows, Chris and about 10 adults. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up in the dark towards the village, Chris was talking about how this had gotten out of hand and how they were going to try to rescue the children. As they came into the seemingly empty village, Chris cupped his hands and began to shout at the empty huts. He told them that the game was over and that it was time they went home. He told them there was a boat that would take them home. Still no response. He moved deeper into the collection of straw huts. The fires burning low around them, and that was when they struck. Kids with spears and machetes came screaming out of the darkness. And the cameraman backpedaled furiously as the adults were taken completely by surprise. Blood flew, legs were sawed off as the pint-sized savages hacked and chopped. And Chris Mansworth was buried under a pile of children as he screamed and flailed. As the cameraman tripped and went down, we see the shadows of children standing over him as the spears came down. The episode ended abruptly. I was speechless. What the hell had happened to them? These were kids that had been doing challenges and making friends. The rivalry between Robert and Marco had always been the most serious part of the show. But now they had devolved into savages. The 11th episode was about 10 minutes long. It opened on a stationary camera shot of the same space they had held the trial. Marco was on his knees before the camera. And he looked bad. His left eye was a puffy mass of bruised tissue. 
His left ear was a bleeding stump. His nose looked to be cut jaggedly. He was weeping silently, and his tears were thick and bloody. Robert stood behind him. He had always worn a white football jersey in every episode I'd seen him in. But the garment was stained red and brown now. He bled from several places on his chest, and when he raised his machete, it was with obvious pain. This morning, before the sun had risen, this dog attempted to attack our village. He violated the rules of war as agreed up by him and me. We agreed to a battle between our two villages at dawn. This snake tried to attack us in the night and lost. Thus his village is forfeit. As the winner, I sentence him to death. Please, Robert, Chris Mansworth's voice can be heard off screen. The show is over. You can all go home now, back to your parents. It doesn't have to end like this. As Marco cried his terrible tears, Robert looked at Chris off screen and turned back to Marco. The show is over. This is our home now. He brought the machete down. Marco cried out and fell face first to the ground. Robert fell on him, hitting him with the machete again and again. Blood sprayed from the struggling child, and when Robert looked back to the camera, his face was splattered in gore. He reached out, and the camera went off abruptly. The last episode was only a few minutes. It started with a shaky cam journey through the jungle. The runner was being pursued. I could hear the footsteps behind him. As the runner got to the shore, he jumped into something and pushed out into the water. The wooden deck of a boat came into view, and as he drifted out, I could hear oars working in the water. He sat the camera on the seat, and as he rode, the faces of children could be seen in the surrounding jungle. Then everything went dark. The tape clicked, and the TV went back to static. I left it in the VCR and stumbled out of the back room. Reggie was sitting behind the counter and looked up at me with something like sympathy. He held something back towards me, and I saw it was my money. I shook my head and stepped away from him. I had bought a ticket, and I had paid the price. You gonna be okay? He asked. Yeah. So what happened to the kids? They just left them there. Reggie shrugged. The Coast Guard picked Chris Mansworth up two days later. He was drifting in the ocean and looked extremely rattled. He wouldn't tell them how he had gotten out there or where he had been. When he got back, he gave the tapes to the studio, and the next time anyone saw him, he was dead. And the kids. The studio never pursued the show. They never sold the aired episodes. They never even tried to air what Chris brought back. They just made the whole thing disappear. I suppose there's an island out there full of kids who went to be on a TV show and never came back. Their parents were likely told they had been in an accident or something. The whole thing was hushed up, and eventually, people forgot. You'll forget one day, too. He added, as though it might help. As I lay in bed now, trying to forget the horrible things I saw. I hope I do forget, but I doubt I ever will. So if you happen to find an island out in the Pacific, Maybe one full of locals that just don't look right. Turn your boat back out to sea. Those natives are not friendly. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself, listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels, and a blessed day.